tell me something. What do you know about Wakanda? It's a third world country. Textiles, shepherds, cool outfits, all the front. Explorers have searched for it. Called it El Dorado. They looked for it in South America. But it was in Africa the whole time. I'm the only one who's seen it. And made it out alive. Hey Metro, I really hope you're enjoying our series Metro at the Movies as much as I am because there's something great in a well-written, well-executed film that tells us a compelling story and leaves us asking questions about our own lives. I mean, a great story has the power to change minds, to change lives. I mean, think about it. The majority of Jesus' teachings to his followers were what? They were stories, and our best modern-day storyteller is usually Hollywood, which is why we're here at Metro, and we go to the movies each summer. So I'm a huge movie fan. I will watch almost anything, but I am a sucker for a good superhero film. And man, did we get a great film earlier this year in Black Panther. It grossed over $1.3 billion worldwide, and it became the ninth highest-grossing film of all time. That's crazy. It must be a good movie if it's making that much money. But more than that, it's a great story because the film centers itself around the fictional country Wakanda, and this is based in Sub-Saharan Africa. But what makes Wakanda a special place is its secret. Because from the outside, it has all the appearances of a third world country where most people shepherd animals and keep to themselves, but it's all an illusion because Wakanda is actually the most technologically advanced society to ever exist. And this is due to a meteor made of the strongest substance in the universe striking the area that would eventually become Wakanda. And this substance is known as vibranium, and this is the secret Wakanda works so hard to protect. But to keep this a secret, the country must identify itself politically as an isolationist society, desiring no one to come in, and for the most part, no one to leave. So vibranium means you have power, and to have power means you have influence. So that is worth protecting. So the movie Black Panther begins with our hero, whose real name is T'Challa, returning home to Wakanda to be inaugurated as king after the assassination of his father, T'Chaka. 
But in order to understand the theme of this movie, I'm actually going to take us back to another movie. Because if you're familiar with Marvel movies, they are all intertwined and connected. And so we first meet our hero T'Challa in Captain America Civil War. But T'Challa isn't the superhero we are used to. You know, if you've watched any of the previous 17 Marvel movies, then you realize Iron Man is super arrogant. He's borderline narcissistic. And Captain America is so stubborn and set in his ways, he is not gonna be the leader that grows. Black Panther, though, is different. And so the first scene I want to show you is from Captain America Civil War. And I know, I know, I can hear you right now. I'm cheating a little bit. I'm borrowing from another film. But I want you to see how Black Panther interacts with his father's murderer. The murderer is the same man who has manipulated Iron Man and Captain America into trying to kill each other because the Avengers are responsible for the death of his family. Spoiler alert. I know it sounds a bit complicated, but just watch this and it will all make sense. I'm going to bed. I love you. I almost killed the wrong man. Hardly an innocent one. This is all you wanted. To see them rip each other apart. My father lived outside the city. I thought we would be safe there. My son was excited. He could see the Iron Man from the car window. I told my wife, don't worry. They're fighting in the city. We're miles from harm. And the dust cleared. And the screaming stopped. It took me two days until I found their bodies. My father, still holding my wife and son in his arms. And the Avengers, they went home. I knew I couldn't kill them. More powerful men than me have tried, but if I could get them to kill each other. I'm sorry about your father. He seemed a good man. With a dutiful son. Vengeance has consumed you. He's consuming them. Don't let it get consume me. Justice will come soon enough. Tell that to the dead. The living are not done with you yet. Wow. Vengeance has consumed you. It's consuming them but I'm done letting it consume me. What a powerful quote, because T'Challa chooses he will no longer be driven by his anger, his bitterness and despair, his desire for justice, and instead he chooses to do what's right. I'm reminded of the passage from 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil, insult for insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Or 1 Thessalonians 5, 
15. It says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. I mean, this idea of vengeance is so self-indulgent. It is self-justification. It is selfish because we say they deserve this. Think of the movies. The idea of vengeance is popular because we want to be a jerk back to the jerk, but that's not what we are called to be as Christians. That's not who God desires us to be. We are to be people of great grace. Or as it says in Romans, never take your own revenge, beloved, but, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So, so what's at the heart of revenge? I mean, why do we want to seek revenge against someone else? I think it's because we want to be free, free from the pain someone else caused us. You don't want the pain someone else caused you to determine how you're going to live the rest of your life. And so you want to feel whole again, but the presence of the pain in your life drives you mad and it gets you more frustrated. And so you are more angry and it just becomes bitter and you surround yourself with people who will just feed this bitterness. And then you want your own version of justice. You want revenge. To seek vengeance is another way of telling God you don't trust him. Vengeance doesn't have to look as malicious as murder or killing someone either. It can look like an offhanded comment from someone you don't even know, or worse, from someone that you loved or someone you still love and maybe they left you. You know you're trying to get over it. Maybe, maybe you're the person that you're trying to move on and then something happens and you're reminded of the pain and you're reminded of the person who did it. And so you're all worked up again and you slowly want revenge and it becomes your only hope. So I don't know what kind of pain you're carrying around or, or how long you've been carrying it around, how painful it is, how heavy it is. But if, have you ever actually gotten revenge? I mean, do you ever feel good about wronging someone else in the end? I have, and it doesn't work. Revenge doesn't satisfy. And so no, we must surrender our greatest hurts to God. We must leave room for God. And so he can demonstrate incredible patience with us and he can use it through us. All of that to say in relation to the movie, we see that Black Panther is a different kind of superhero that we are not used to. He isn't bent on on destruction and revenge. He's self-controlled, he's pragmatic, he's humble, and he's willing to have his mind changed. He's willing to do what's right to be a good king. Speaking of a good king, let's talk about T'Challa's respect and admiration for his father, T'Chaka. It's fitting that this movie falls on Father's Day weekend because one of the driving forces of the Black Panther movie is the relationship between father and son. And unlike the way most movies portray the father-son relationship as toxic and combative, abusive and stressful, T'Challa admires his father. And at one point in the movie, he says, I wanna be a great king just like you. Now, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your father, if this is a tough weekend or a weekend you actually get to celebrate, but I think we can all agree that the role of the father in the home is a vital part of the home and it is imperative to the success of the family. I mean, I think of all kinds of great dads in the Bible, you know, Noah, Abraham, Jesus' own earthly father, Joseph. These are all great dads, but they were great because they taught their children the importance of obeying God. And so dads, the most important lesson you can teach your kids is how to love God and you do it by modeling that behavior. But it's so hard, isn't it? And while you should never have the expectation of being perfect, there comes a moment in every child's life when they realize their dad is only human. And so T'Challa says, I wanna be a great king like you, to which his father responds with one of the most powerful quotes in the movie, it's hard for a good man to be king. 
And so you pick up, there's something else there, right? T'Challa isn't aware of everything his dad's ever done. Maybe his dad has made questionable decisions. And this comes out when T'Challa encounters a mercenary who is wearing a family relic around his neck and he must confront his longtime family friend, Zuri, about what he has discovered. So take a look at this scene. So your mission did not go as planned. What happened to my uncle, Jobo? My father told me he disappeared. There was a man today wearing a ring identical to this one. That is not possible. He helped Crow escape from us and he was wearing this ring, my grandfather's ring. Do not tell me what is possible, tell me the truth. Some truths are too much to bear, Dijala. Hey, that is not your choice to make. What happened to him? I promised the king to say nothing. I am your king now! Your uncle took a war dog assignment in America. Your father placed me there to observe. Unbeknownst to him, your uncle fell in love with an American woman. They had a child. The hardships he saw there radicalized your uncle. I observed for as long as I could. The leaders have been assassinated. Communities flooded with drugs and weapons. They are overly policed and incarcerated. All over the planet, our people suffer because they don't have the tools to fight back. With vibranium weapons, they could overthrow every country and Wakanda could rule them all the right way. He knew your father would not support this. So, your uncle betrayed us. No. He helped Claw steal the vibranium. No, 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 no. You will return home at once, or you will face the council and inform them of your crimes. He drew his weapon on me. Your father killed his own brother to save my life. Speak nothing of this. And the child. We had to maintain the lie. Okay, so in case you missed it, 
T'Challa's father murders his own brother and then leaves his five-year-old son there in the apartment to die, to, to just be left by himself, never to return, to cover up this lie. That is, that is powerful. Wow. I mean, it's amazing how the sins of the father have a ripple effect, don't they? I mean, I'm reminded of the passage in Exodus 20, verse 5. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. I mean, what's going on in this Bible verse? Is God actually saying he will punish a father's children and grandchildren for the sins and wrongs of the father? No, not quite. What God is actually saying is that if a father misleads his family, the family will have to pay for it. Each will have to pay their own for their own sins, but the father could have prevented many of those sins that the children and grandchildren would eventually fall into. Dads, the way you lead matters. The father's disobedience to God's commandments have a ripple effect that keep on going until a, a father comes in and breaks that cycle. And so this is true of T'Challa. Something his father did has now brought more pain and more tension into their family than he ever thought possible. I mean, right after this, T'Challa is confiding with his love interest, Nakia, and he tells her, my uncle may have betrayed Wakanda, but my father may have created something much worse. So in this movie, we learn that lies will always surface. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not soon, but the truth is always revealed, isn't it? I mean, the Bible teaches this truth and that truth matters. And so what you do now affects your spouse. What you do now affects your children and your eventual grandchildren. Because if you start abusing things now, if you start abusing alcohol now, your family will pay for it later, 10 times over. And this is one of the themes of the movie. And so in this movie, you have a son that idolizes his father, but he finds out his hero isn't who he thought he was. The son finds out that the father has skeletons in his closet and, and don't we all? No, we, we shouldn't put people in the place of God because when you idolize people for their strengths, you will demonize them for their weaknesses. T'Challa learns this the hard way. His father has let him down and created a villain much larger than he thought possible. And so now we are introduced to the movie's central antagonist, Eric Killmonger, T'Challa's blood cousin, Killmonger enters Wakanda and challenges T'Challa for the throne because he's blood and he can challenge for the throne and the mantle of Black Panther. Killmonger is motivated by his anger and his bitterness. And as he puts it, I've waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over and it starts with me killing you. Killmonger wants the power, he wants the throne. He wants to kill his cousin in the name of vengeance because his uncle killed his dad but there's still more to it than that. So just watch this scene. Teta, speak. I'm standing in your house serving justice to a man who stole your vibranium and murdered your people. Justice your king couldn't deliver. I don't care that you brought Claw. Only reason I don't kill you where you stand is because I know who you are. Now what do you want? 
I want the throne. <laughs> hey, you, the tuna. <laughs> Y'all sitting up here comfortable. Must feel good. It's about two billion people all over the world that looks like us, but their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liberate them all. And what tools are those? Vibranium. Your weapons. Our weapons will not be used to wage war on the world. It is not our way to be judge, jury, and executioner for people who are not our own. Not your own. But didn't life start right here on this continent? So ain't all people your people? I am not king of all people. I am king of Wakanda. And it is my responsibility to make sure our people are safe and that vibranium does not fall into the hands of a person like you. Son, we have entertained the charlatan for too long. Reject his request. Oh, I ain't requesting nothing. Ask who I am. You're Eric Stevens, an American black operative, a mercenary nicknamed Killmonger. That's who you are. That's not my name, princess. Ask me, King. No. Ask me. Take him away. Ungubani, Indingu, Indadaka, Unyanaka, Njobu. Huh? Unyanaka, Njobu. I found my daddy with panther claws in his chest. You ain't the son of a king, you are a son of a murderer. We have all seen, son. Lies! I'm afraid not, Queen Mother. Huh? What? You, Indadaka, Njobu. Hey, Auntie. I'm exercising my blood right. The challenge for the mantles of King and Black Panther. Do not do this, T'Challa. As the son of Prince Injobo, he is within his rights. He has no rights here. The challenge will take weeks to prepare. Weeks? I don't need weeks. The whole country ain't gotta be there. I just need him and somebody to get me out of these chains. T'Challa, what do you know of this? I accept your challenge. Killmonger doesn't just want to be king and rule as Black Panther over the most technologically advanced nation in the world, no. His motives are much darker than that. Killmonger is motivated by this radicalized notion that his people, the black community worldwide, should be armed. And his desire is to overthrow the world governments so his people can finally fight back against the world that unfairly and unjustly enslaved his ancestors and continue to suppress their rights. It can be difficult to understand the black narrative being written here, so the best way I can describe it is this. Killmonger is to T'Challa what Malcolm X is to Martin Luther King Jr. And in case you don't know, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. were towering figures in the civil rights movement back in the 1960s here in the United States. Malcolm X portrayed more of the uh, radicalized, uh, taking up of arms, black power movement, while Martin Luther King Jr. was more of the pragmatic, civil disobedience, we fight war with love mentality. And you get that dynamic working against Killmonger and T'Challa. So the parallels here are not accidental. And these movie characters embody these very real historical figures in a way that we see on the big screen. And so this is reflective of real hurt, real life issues, real life people. 
Now, the build up from here is the showdown. Killmonger versus T'Challa. Winner gets the throne. Winner gets Black Panther. Winner will ultimately determine the fate of the world because they control Vibranium. They control Wakanda. And here's how this plays out. of your father's death, not him. Take me. I'll take you both, Uncle James. No! 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 Is this your game? Huh? Is this your kid? The Black Panther! Who's supposed to lead you into the future? Come on, brother! Is there nothing that can be done? Him? He's supposed to protect you! So all hope seems lost, and the radicalized mercenary Killmonger is now the king of Wakanda, the new Black Panther, and he has the ability to implement his extremist philosophies on the world. T'Challa's family goes into hiding. They don't know what to do. T'Challa was their king. He was supposed to change the world for good, but now he's gone. What are they to do? They're at a total loss. Come on, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? One of the most fascinating aspects of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the entire Easter story is something we actually don't hear about often. We hear about Good Friday and we hear about Resurrection Sunday, but when was the last time you heard a message on Silent Saturday? Think about it, nothing happened. And for the first time in so long, God was silent and it seemed all hope was lost. I don't know what pain you're dealing with or, or what you're gonna walk into when you leave this church, when you walk out those doors, but maybe you feel like God is silent, like he isn't even there. But if, you, if, if you've read the Bible, then you, know, then you know Silent Saturday is necessary because it sets up Resurrection Sunday, and that is your hope. We may be walking through absolute silence from God. We may feel distant from God. We may be questioning God. Are you even there? Do you exist? But we have the hope in Jesus. We have the hope 
that, that Saturday sets up Sunday, that no matter what you're walking through, God is on the other side of it. When all hope seems lost, God is about to break through. Do you believe that, Metro? Come on, come on, do you believe that? Now, getting back into this movie, Killmonger must enter into this ancestral realm before he can truly become Black Panther. It's an important rite of passage to connect with your ancestors, and this scene is so powerful. Check this out. First Baba, and now my brother. It's me. Nakia. Who is this man? He's a friend of T'Challa's. He saved my life. Where is Okoye? Okoye is not coming. She and the Dora Milaje will save the new king. Wait here. Happened to our country. Allow the hardship herb to give you the powers of the Black Panther and take you to the ancestral plane. What did I tell you about going into my things? Hmm? What did you find? Your home. I gave you a key, hoping that you might see it someday. Yes, the sunsets there are the most beautiful in the world. But I fear you still may not be welcome. Why? They will say you are lost. But I'm right here. No tears for me? Everybody dies. 
It's just life around here. Well, look at what I've done. I should have taken you back long ago. Instead, we are both abandoned here. Well, maybe your home's the ones that's lost. That's why they can't find us. So what do we see? Killmonger finds his dead father. And you know, we can sympathize with him because it's hard to hate someone that you now understand. Mr. Rogers once famously said, frankly, there isn't anyone you couldn't learn to love once you've heard their story. I mean, one of the most humbling things I've ever done is sitting down with someone that I very much disagreed with, but hearing their story. No, I don't have to agree with you to love you. But, but for this person, I remember I apologized to them because I saw them as a policy, as a political pawn and not a person. And I despised them and I apologized to them. And so no, you shouldn't put your enemies on full blast on Facebook. You can have an opinion, but what I'm trying to say is that there is a soul connected to that internet comment. There, there's, there's flesh and blood. They are loved by God. And so no, love doesn't mean you have to agree with someone. Love just chooses to recognize the humanity within someone else. Now, in typical Hollywood fashion, the hero never dies. And so as we get back into this movie, without going into all of the details as to what happens, a fellow African tribe finds T'Challa's body, they recognize him, they save his life, he's reunited with his family, and they plan to take Killmonger down together. But a very real civil war within Wakanda has now broken out. And it pits friend against friend, brother against sister, husband against wife. And so what we're about to see is one of the African guards, Okoye, stands up against her own husband, Wakabi. And you just need to see this. Drop your weapon. Would you kill me, my love? For Wakanda? Without question. So I'm not saying threaten your spouse if you disagree with them. No, that's not what I'm saying. I think the lesson here is that doing the right thing, doing the honorable thing, sometimes means standing against the people you love and respect most. Jesus tells us this, right? He says in, in Matthew, he says, do not assume I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn man against his father, daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Sometimes doing the right thing means you stand so boldly that you are the only one standing. And it's a powerful moment. And it's a great reminder to always do what's right. 
So Black Panther eventually defeats Killmonger in battle, in this great epic battle. Um, but again, Black Panther is not the superhero that we are used to, is he? No, he's, he's willing to do the right thing. And so he takes Killmonger, even though he just, he just gave him a fatal wound to the chest. He takes Killmonger to see the sunset at Wakanda, something that Killmonger references earlier in the movie, how, he, how he's never been able to see one. And they have this moment watching the sunset together with, with Killmonger with a knife in his chest. Black Panther says, even though, even though we differ, even though we disagree, even though we are enemies, we can heal you. I can save you. But Killmonger, holding on to his anger, holding on to his pride, holding on to his vengeance, says no. And he pulls the knife out and, and he dies. No. Black Panther really embodies what loving your enemy looks like. Not repaying evil for evil, even willing to save your enemy, the person trying to murder you. Wow, that's, that's powerful. So what are we to take away from Black Panther? Uh, number one, I think the first thing is that vengeance is dangerous and it leads you down a dark road of rad radicalization. I mean, the danger is this us versus them mentality because you will become the thing that you hate most. I think the second takeaway is that we shouldn't idolize people the way we worship God because when we idolize people for their strengths, we will demonize them for their weaknesses. And I think the third takeaway is perhaps the most obvious and the most important. Love your enemies. It's hard to love an enemy you don't understand, but something fascinating happens when you hear the story of someone else. And in a post credit scene, T'Challa actually says, more connects us than divides us. The foolish build barriers, so we must choose to build bridges. And I think this could be one of the most important themes in the movie. More unites us than divides us. Whenever we think of, of our enemy, I mean, who comes to mind? What politician comes to mind? What political ideology comes to mind? Just who comes to mind for you when you think of an enemy? Because they're not your enemy. No, the Bible is clear that the, our war is not against flesh and blood, but principalities. More unites us than divides us. So good, huh? Wow. Is that all you, is that all you got? I mean, I think it's uh, pretty amazing that uh, he can throw in a Mr. Rogers quote to a Black Panther movie. <laughs> and it was this, that there is no one that you could not love once you get to know them, once you know their story. You know, it's true, right? Uh, this idea, this theme of vengeance, uh, we, we think of it as like a Hollywood type of thing that, you know, murder and espionage and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but vengeance is very personal. It's jab for jab. It's gossip for gossip. It's insult for insult. Um, and it's really not trusting God. When we do that, it's just not trusting God. Uh, Pastor Kevin did a great job with this. I mean, there's so much to learn from this. So many biblical truths rooted in this kind of fun movie, right? Pretty cool? Yeah. Hey, let me uh, lead you in prayer today, okay? Because uh, you might have some of these issues. You might have something in your life where you're just struggling uh, to love somebody. You, that, you know, you, you're struggling 
with getting back at somebody. Maybe somebody's hurt you, and maybe you think that it's gone dark in your life. Uh, I love that one quote Pastor Kevin said. He says, uh, uh, Silent Saturday is, uh, is necessary for Resurrection Sunday, right? It sets it up. So let me just lead you to God tonight through prayer. Let's just do this together, okay? Father in heaven, uh, thank you for such a great night. Thank you for such wisdom uh, that Pastor Kevin presented to us. And I just pray, Lord, that your spirit would soak this into us. This is not about a movie. This isn't about Black Panther. This is about your spirit speaking to us through your word. And uh, your word says to love. Uh, your, your word says to trust you, to not take vengeance upon ourselves, but to obey you, to trust you, to follow you. Lord, I pray for each in this room, God, that your spirit would speak into our lives. God, that we would learn to trust you wholeheartedly. God, for those that are brand new to faith and you're, they're just trying to figure this out, I pray that your spirit would reveal yourself to them in some way, God. Um, help us to take our next steps with you, God. And I pray that today's gathering would have done that. Help us to take our next step with you. In Jesus' name, amen.